Amen. Thank you, Gracie. Um, great song. And I want to thank Lori, too. She's headed out and leading Bible school this past week. And all those who participated, um, just a real blessing. And grateful uh, for a ministry to show kids that uh, we care about them. So thank you for doing that. We are in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12 this morning. Talking about dads. Before I read the scripture, I'll share this with you. Uh, really enjoying uh, that Anna Green Gables play that Daniel and I are in. And last night, uh, I have two parts. I'm a doctor and I'm a preacher. I'm a minister. And you get in this line, everybody comes by and shakes your hand. Well, this guy comes up to me and he says, good job, good job. I said, thank you. He said, wow. He said, you know, I really liked your role as a minister. He said, he said, you could be a real minister. I said, thank you, thank you. So, anyway, I, I couldn't resist. That was just too funny. Uh, when you find First Thessalonians 2, I'll ask you to stand in God's honor. Verses 8 to 12. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Let's pray. God, thank you for this special day where we recognize fathers. Thank you for being the great father who always loves us, who always knows us still loves us. I pray, Father, that you might speak in the time that remains. Lord, that we might hear from you and be reminded of your great love. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Being a father, it's a very humbling, difficult job. And we all fail at it to a degree. Charlie Shedd um, was a writer back uh, when I was in college uh, who was very popular, and he wrote several books. He, he wrote a book to his son, Philip, and he wrote a book to his daughter, Karen. And I, I remember when I met Cindy in seminary, I went back to the guy. He was my youth minister uh, when I, uh, I was in youth. And he must have thought I was really love-smitten because, you know, I mentioned Sidney, I talked about him, and he gave me that book, uh, Letters to Philip. Like, what's this about? You need this. <laughs> so anyway, he was right. <laughs> but I took it and I read that, and there's an excerpt from that book Charlie Shedd had written. Uh, he had this popular talk he would give, and it, he titled it, How to Parent Your Children. The only problem was, at that point in his life, Charlie didn't have any children. And it was requested, and he got a lot of money for it. Then he had his first kid, and, you know, he was up late at night trying to take care of that kid. So 
you know, the next year he gave the talk, but this time he changed the name of it to some some suggestions to parents. And then a couple of years went by, he really didn't give the talk much, and he had a couple more kids. And this time he changed, again, the title, and he called it Feeble Hints to Fellow Strugglers. And then he had a couple of more kids, and he seldom gave the talk anymore. But when he did, he entitled it, Anyone Here Got a Few Words of Wisdom? It, 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 it was that feeling of, of inadequacy, that feeling of, man, I am messing this up. And as we look at you know, our own families that we came from, some of us uh, had dads who uh, were very encouraging and, and full of energy and creative. Some of us had dads who were workaholics, others dads who were alcoholics. Some who were gentle in their words, others who screamed. Uh, different kinds of dads, it's uh, our experience. And as we look in the scripture here, um, we see Paul, he was only in Thessalonica for six weeks. He had come out of Philippi, he had, he had been in prison there um, but he, he had come, but before that, he, he had come and he had, he had issues, but he was only six weeks in Thessalonica. And it was a time where he worked mending tents and had his, his job as a tent maker. But then the time he had after that work, he, he spent with those believers in Thessalonica, pouring out his heart to them, and this bond occurred. And he described the bond as a parent, being a, a father, to, to those people in, in that time as he wrote this letter back, as he, he talked about it. And out of that, I realized that, you know, the setting is really about a pastor's heart as he shares with those believers. But there are lessons in here that I think fit with a godly dad, a godly father. And so, with that said, let's look at some of these. Uh, the first one is found in verse 8, and it deals with having... A fond affection, being willing to share your emotions. Uh, verse 8 of chapter 2, he says, We loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you. Um, that word there, um, when he talks about caring, talks about love, it's actually kind of a nursery term in the Greek that gives the idea of a father's love. For that newborn baby, and I can remember, you know, all four of my children were born. I had the joy of being able to be there when they were born, and and you know, soon after being able to hold them, and it was always a miracle. And I was all like, "Wow!" Just in awe of that, and that type of love, you know, it changes as as you know the years go by. I remember one lady in church that we were at. She said, when they're small, they step on your toes. When they're older, they step on your heart. But there's that sense of love that can't really be described until you're a father. Because it's beyond words. And of course, I can't help but think of the, the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. You, you guys know this, the, the story well. Uh, great account of this guy. And he, and he had two sons. And his youngest son, he said, man, I, I need my inheritance now. And he took it and he went out and he wasted all that money. He had a great 
time, or at least that was his intention, of living it up. But when the money was gone, so were those friends. When the money was gone, so were those great parties that he craved. And he found himself with the pigs. That's a really bad place for a Jewish guy to be. And he's eating pig slop. And it comes to his mind, the, the Scripture says there in Luke 15, he came to his senses. In other words, it was like, ding, light came on, you know. And he, What am I doing here? What am I doing here? And then he thought about home, and he thought about his dad. And, and, and you know, it's interesting, as you look at that, it never once says that he doubted he could go home. It never once says that his dad in his mind, the, the thinking was he, he, he wouldn't let, want me to come home. He, he would reject me. Or, no. So he, he comes to his senses and then he starts rehearsing in his mind. Okay, Dad, I, I know I don't deserve to be here, but at least let me work with, with your other workers. At least, you know, let, I have a place to stay. And, and, and so he's rehearsing this. Dad, I really messed up. And, and, you know, humbling himself as he's walking down the road. And I love the picture that's given in the Scriptures because what we see is that his father is out and he's looking. And evidently there had been many days where he thought, if only he'd come home. I miss him. I'm worried about him. I wonder what, what it's like. And as a dad, you know what I'm talking about, guys. And, 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 you know, that's in his mind. And then one day he looks in the distance and he sees his son. And I can imagine the boy as he's, he's rehearsing his speech. He's rehearsing his speech as he walks. But he doesn't really have time for that because as he looks up and out, he sees someone running to him. There was a song Benny Hester used to do. I loved it when I was younger. And in the song it said, And God Anyway, the, the father's running toward his son. And as you look at it, now let's go ahead and turn to Luke 15. I, I'm sitting here telling this, but let's see what the Scripture itself, how it reads. Um, verse 20. It says, So he got up, went to his father, while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. So, you know, the picture was, man, his, his father is, is, you know, I don't know, it may have looked more like slow motion. I don't know what kind of shape the guy was in, right? But, I mean, he's trying to get there. And his son sees him running toward him. And, you know, none of this, oh, nice handshake, how are you, son? It's a firm embrace, and he's just covering him with kiss. I know, guys, you know, that we're... Most of us aren't kind of that way, kissy-kissy, you know, with each other. But, but the point is, the affection was so deep. And in that culture, you know, it was that sign of, of showing that. And sometimes we look at that in this culture as being weak. And yet I believe that there is a real strength in a man being able to cry and to show his tears and, and to show that emotion. There's a courage that's not talked about a lot that comes with that. A Walter Wangren wrote this book, and he entitled it, The Manger is Empty. And there was a story in there, Matthew 7, 8, 9. And he, he said that his son Matthew would steal comic books. And he wanted to try to break his son from stealing the comic books. And he tried everything. He came up with these rules, uh, and, and he took these strict rules, 
taking things away from his son, all of this strategy to get him to quit stealing these comic books. But none of that worked, so finally he said, well, I just got to spank the guy. So he took him, and he, and he had to keep spanking him. It didn't work the first time. But every time he spanked him, something inside, he just couldn't deal with it. It was emotionally painful for him. And so he'd hold himself together, and then he'd go out of the room so his son couldn't see him, and he'd cry. Well, years later, Matthew and his mom were talking, and she said, uh, he, well, he, Matthew said to his mom, do you, do you remember the comic books? And I'd take the comic books. And do, do you remember why I stopped? And Mom said, hey, yeah, I remember why I stopped because your dad finally spanked your bottom and you needed it. And Matthew said, no, that's not why I quit. I quit because dad cried. And then he closes with these words. Hereafter, let every accuser of my son reckon with the mercy of God and fall into a heap and fail. For love accomplished what the law could not. And tears more powerful than Sinai, even the prince of accusers, shall bring no charge against my son that the final judge shall not dismiss. Satan, you are defeated. My God has loved my Matthew. Now, secondly here, going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, transparency is the next important part of being a godly father. Um, look here in the last part of verse 8. He, he says, uh, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. It's one thing to voice the gospel, but also our lives should be filled with a love that shares God. It, it's that idea of... of you know, what you do so loud, I can't hear what you say. I mean, it, it, it you know, it just speaks so loudly, um, that sense of transparency. And it's tough to be transparent because I, I think to a degree we're all kind of guilt-laden. I, I don't think it's just me. I think there are times all of every father, every dad thinks, have I done something to damage my child? Or am I doing something to damage him or her? And there's this sense of we know who we should be and what we should be like, and we're not. And so sometimes we don't want to be honest and transparent. And and Paul says, hey, when I was here among you, I poured out my life to you, and, and you saw me. You didn't see you know, who I just wanted you to see. You saw me. One family was a... They were watching this uh, clip of a teenager who he was disgusted with his parents and he went on this search to find the perfect parents. And Anyway, as he, go, as he went through the search, what happened was he finally decided, hey, my parents really do love me. And so um, it, it, it was uh, this girl named Beryl. So anyway, they asked Beryl, uh, they, they saw this video and they, they took it and they had Beryl watch the video and she watched it. And then after the video, they said to Beryl, they said, have you ever wanted to find another set of parents? And her response was, no, you and dad are so moody, it's like having a different set of parents every day. <laughs> Transparency. 
Uh, I've heard Roy Wesley share his testimony several times in men's groups. And uh, Roy talks about a time when he was working in the grocery business and working on Sundays and making a lot more money. And then uh, a church bus came by and started picking up his children, taking them to church. And one day he stopped and he thought about that. Well, he said, I stopped and, and I was making money, but I had gotten to the point to where I was working every Sunday. And I thought, other people shouldn't be taking my children to church. And Roy said, it just broke him. And he said, I need to take my children to church. And it was at that point on that he got back into church. And he said, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be the one who, who modeled that this is what you do to my kids. Uh, that importance of, of transparency. And, of course, the truth of the matter of it is, you know, we're all, like Barbara Johnson says, we're all crackpots. We all have our issues. And I think, I heard Rick Warren say one time, i never forgotten, he said, our problems, our biggest problem is twofold. We take ourselves too seriously and we don't take God seriously enough. And I think that is so true. Um, I'll just share a few things here. You, you know, it's funny, last weekend, one of the boys said to me, is today Father's Day? And I said, oh, no. I said, you still got plenty of time to go buy me a gift. You know, it's kind of kidding around. But there's this piece written sometime back called The World According to Parents. You know, like you heard The World According to God. Garp, I think it is. But anyway, read a couple of these. <laughs> I thought, boy, this sounds so much like, I think, all parents here. Uh, here's a couple of phrases you hear. Bring me the change. <laughs> Call us when you get there. Stop doing that. You might poke out your eye. Shut up and eat. <laughs> Why is it you remember to eat, but you never remember to take out the garbage? All you had to do was pick up the phone and call. If you break your leg, don't come running to me. Man, don't you love that one? You'll have fun because I said so. This is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> do it to make your mother happy. Wait until your dad gets home. Right? No, I'm not sleeping. I'm just resting my eyes. You know, I let my dad used to do that all the time. You know, I, I told you he's working three jobs. He'd be so tired and... And one of my favorite stories, we ordered pizza one time, and I didn't know he was, I, I, I thought he was asleep, but, you know, I still asked him, I said, you want some pizza, Dad? And he said, yeah. So he ate a piece of pizza. Then we got done later, saw the pizza box, and he said, you didn't save me any pizza? I said, you ate a piece of pizza. He said, I did. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, let, let's see here. Um, and last one here, <laughs> you'll appreciate this one. When I was your age, I walked 26 miles to school one way through blizzards, hailstorms, and 100-degree heat. Now go. <laughs> Don't do as I do. Do as I say. All right. Third one here, unselfish diligence. Verse 9. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Here there's a picture of diligence. And a lot of times on Father's Day, we always talk about, you know, fathers working all the time and not spending enough time at home. But I want to look at it the opposite angle. Be grateful if you have a father who's a hard worker, who's willing to provide. And, you know, one of the jokes I read with this said, you know, like the father who, you know, the next day in the paper after his daughter was married, 
it said in the paper. And this is after she spent thousands of dollars on the wedding that he gave her away. <laughs> it was costly. But he worked for that. And be thankful for those fathers who are willing to work to provide. And I think it's important um, as a father to be able to communicate, and, and I need to work on this too, be able to, to communicate to our children if we work hard, why we work hard. Because I think that there is a need for all of us to be able to contribute, to be able to do something bigger than ourselves, and to see our work as a way to contribute to other people and to help other people and to make it better for others. And there has to be a way to, to share that. And as he worked tirelessly day and night, it was, for, Paul was, I want to do this so that the Word of God may be open to you. And it, whatever the job is, we, we need to be able to share with him, this has value, this is important. Work hard. And that sense of accomplishment, that sense of doing something that matters, it's powerful. It's powerful to be able to look back and to say, you know, what I did here, it mattered to someone. It had value. It provided, um, made a difference at diligence. Fourth, a spiritual authenticity. Look at verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. He says, you saw that we were the real deal. He said, we weren't just a bunch of uh, smoking guns or just a bunch of talk. The real not hypocrites. I ran across this piece of what is a father and just a couple of these. There were more, but I thought it was worth sharing because it's just so honest about a father. It says, A father's a thing that's forced to endure childbirth without anesthetic. <laughs> a father's a thing that growls when he feels good and laughs very loud when he's scared half to death. Fathers grow old faster than people because they in wartime have to stand at the airport's and wave goodbye to uniformed sons that fly away to face the unknown. And while mothers can cry where it shows, fathers have to be brave and beam outside while quietly dying inside. Fathers have very stout hearts, so they have to be broken sometimes and no one would know what's inside. Fathers are what give daughters away to other men who are not nearly good enough so they can have grandchildren that are smarter than anybody. And when a father who knows the Lord dies, I have an idea that after a good rest, he will not be happy unless there's work to do. He will not just sit on a cloud and wait for the girl he has loved and the children she bore. He will be busy there too, repairing stairs, oiling the gates, improving the streets, smoothing the way. Uh, we fight egos and many times... We don't take our spiritual duties to be leaders. Pass that over to our wives, to our moms. And say, honey, you make sure uh, they get a little Bible or get to church. There's value in, in being that, that leader. There's, there's value in, in being real in our faith. And guys, it's, you know, I've always figured, to be honest, just honest with you as a preacher, you know, we joke about preachers' children, and a lot of times they, you know, get in trouble and different stuff. Of course, there's the old joke: they're bad because they pray with deacons' kids and all that. But, the, but the point of the matter is, uh, you know, I heard 
once. If you lose your home, you lose your ministry. Uh, they're not impressed with a sermon. They're impressed with a father that cares about them. And that's not true just in the pulpit. It's true for all of us. They need that. And they need us to be those people. One last one before I close here in verse 11 and 12. Positive influence. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. One survey found uh, that in every home where a positive word was spoken, there were 11 negative words spoken. Tough, isn't it? It's very easy to, you know, like the guy who thought his middle name was, no, don't, stop. It's easy to become negative. Wouldn't it be great if every time we say something negative, we think, how can I say something positive? How can I let them know they're doing great? How can I let them know I love them? How can I let them know I support them? How can I let them know I believe in them? And not just, no, don't, stop. That The power of being positive is important. There's a story uh, where uh, children, they beg their mom to buy a hamster. She's like, well, you have to take care of the hamster. Well, after two months, you know, it was taking care of the hamster. It was mom. And so finally she says, time for a family meeting. So she came together with a family meeting, and she was sharing with them, and she said, we're just going to have to uh, get rid of the, the, the hamster. The hamster's name was Danny. And she said, Danny has to leave. Uh, so a child said, I'll miss him. He's been around a long time. Another child said maybe he could stay if he ate less and wasn't so messy. Mom was firm. It's time to take Danny to a new home. Danny, the children wailed. I thought you said daddy. Power of being positive. Hey, uh, one last thing here. I started with Charlie Shedd, and I'm going to end with the Charlie Shedd story. And uh, Charlie, in his book, he... He talks about this idea of being positive, how often we're so negative. And I'm, I'm just, I'll just read the story as I close. I promise you I will never say no if I can possibly say yes. We see it often. Babies raised in a positive atmosphere develop much better personalities than those who hear the words constantly. No, stop, don't. Let me show you what I mean. This has to do with a dirty old Bella Binder twine. When we moved from Nebraska to Oklahoma, we bought, brought it along. I had used it there to tie sacks of feed and miscellaneous items. And it cost $1.15. So I said, now, Philip, do you see this binder twine? I want you to leave it alone. But it held a strange fascination for him, and he began to use it any time he wanted. I would say, don't, know and stop, but all to no avail. That went on for about six to eight months. Then one day I came home tired. There was the garage looking like a no man's land with binder twine across back and forth up and down. I had to cut my way through to get the car in. And as I was mad, I grounded my teeth, I slashed that binder twine. Suddenly when I was halfway through the maze, a light dawned. I asked myself, why do you want that stupid binder twine? What if Philip does use it? So when I went in to supper that night, Philip was there, and I began. Say, about that binder twine. 
He hung his head and mumbled, yes, Dad. Philip, I've changed my mind. You can use that old binder twine anytime you want. What's more, all those tools out in the garage I've labeled no, you go ahead and use them. Oh, boy, I failed that one. Uh, I can buy new tools and I can buy new twine, but I cannot buy new boys. There never was a sunrise like that smile. <laughs> Thanks, Dad, he beamed, and guess what? He hasn't touched the binder twine since. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a chance to honor dads. To remember you as the heavenly father who loves us and knows us every inch, Father. From nose to toes and above. <laughs> you know us and you love us. Uh, father, we come not as... Uh, people who have it together but as people who have a savior father may we walk with you and as a result of that may lives be changed transformed through the good news of jesus thank you father as we think of our families some of us are dads some of us have been impacted by dads some in ways that are positive some not so much but thank you there awaits us a heavenly father who longs to love us, who longs to embrace us, who is not merely waiting, he would love to run our way. My hope is, Father, that we would run this morning to the altar, fits to pray to find that father that loves us, the heavenly father. And maybe either as a result of being the dad or of thinking of our dad's, to respond to you and your call. You speak to hearts. You don't need me to do the speaking. Holy Spirit, you speak. and May we just respond to you. Maybe there's one here who has never really trusted the perfect love found in Jesus Christ that is ours because of a heavenly Father that loves us without limit. If so can just stop and be honest and say, okay, God, here I am. I need your love. I bow my life to you, and I receive that love in Jesus, that forgiveness. You can do that now. Father, I pray whatever the call that you would speak and that we would say yes on this Father's Day. May we listen to our Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. Amen.